Hello. Hello, everyone. I feel like every time that we log on, I start like introducing myself like like our audience is a bunch of small children. It's like gather round. It's story time, kids. <laughs> Which Done. is cool. Fun fact, by the way, um, before we get started, is I did want to read something really interesting, which is, um, speaking of like, is our audience children, we have, you just pull this up, 53% of our audience is between the ages of 28 and 34. So in the spirit of two years till 30, I think we're doing well. Yeah, I'm really impressed. <laughs> and didn't you say that we had a listener from Germany or something? Like yeah. Anchor FM was able to break down like the location of where some yeah. of our listeners are. So if you're our one dude from Germany and our one dude from Ireland, hello, greetings. I feel we blessed. We have gone international. <laughs> Send us an email. We'd love to chat. Um, who are you? Um, if you're one of our American friends who's been quarantined in another country, please let us know. We'd love to say hi. <laughs> um, so that being said, anyways, Sam, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty well today. I went on a nice long walk this morning, made my bed, kind of like status quo every day, but I like to set a routine, made a good breakfast, and yeah, now I get to talk here with my darling friend, Amala, and I can't really complain, which yeah. is crazy for a Jewish person to say, because we always have something to complain about, but oh. not today. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to complain. We're going to complain later in the podcast. <laughs> That's what we're here for. All the uh, fetching. <laughs> I am, let's see, I've been better. Uh, today's been great. Today's been pretty great. Today I woke up, I made a smoothie, some a peach, some peach juice, a banana, some oat milk, some ice and some tahini, and it was incredible. Um, I went for a four mile walk. I put some music on, uh, Hall and Oates came on and I was singing and running to You Make My Dreams Come True. It was great. Um, mm -hmm. But this past week, uh, I became officially unemployed uh, fully and um, I, I cried and I'm still trying to, to grasp that. Um, it's, it's been pretty hard. Um, I haven't uh, told everyone, but I wanted to be transparent on this podcast about what it's like being 28 in quarantine during COVID. So there we have it. And um, some interesting things have happened. So when people ask me, uh, oh, I, when I tell them, yeah, I'm unemployed, um, their immediate reaction isn't like, oh, you know, it's tough. It's their immediate reaction if they have a job so far has been, what's next? Have you been looking? It's like, this this just happened. Give me a, give me a moment. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember you saying, so, sorry to cut you off, but I just remember you saying uh, people would ask us the same things and how we said in a previous podcast episode that people were relatively supportive of yeah. not judging. But now it's interesting that you're saying like, oh, well, what's next on the docket as if that's so easy to conjure up right yeah. now. Yeah, they're not judging. They're still supportive. It's just like, it, it, it seems obvious to everyone that getting and obtaining a job is, is a simple task and it's, it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, especially if it just happened. And the one, there's two interesting things though that I did want to say an upside to it, uh, sort of, um, or at least a joking upside is that when I told one friend, oh, I'm gonna possibly lose my insurance. Um, her response was, I wish I could 
marry you so that you can have my insurance. And I'm like, oh, is this a proposal? Thank you. I love you. Um, and then I had another friend text me if it if it weren't so weird, you know, I'd I'd propose so we could share insurance. And I'm like, listen, the only weird part about this is that you're not the first friend to propose to me today. So I've gotten several friend proposals that have happened. So yay, marriage, I guess. Very um, sought after. Yeah, that's that is true friendship. Those mm -hmm. those friends who propose to me. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is I finally have an answer to what's next when people ask me, oh, you lost your job, what's next? Um, well, ghosts haunt places where they have uh, an attachment to and unfinished business. And if there is anywhere in the entire world that um, I'm attached to and have unfinished business at, it's that theater. So I've decided eventually somewhere 70 to 80 years from now, I'm going to be haunting that theater. Um, so that's what's next for me. The moaning myrtle of the theater. Yes. I approve. I approve this message. Yeah, it's, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm sure I won't be alone. I'm sure other people will chill there with me. It'll be great. I'm sure. Grand time. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are maintaining positivity and being your badass self despite all the craziness and and things that are going on. So yay, Amy. Yeah. Woo, I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. I cried for four days straight, but we're doing well. Um, all right. So I think I did want to just point this out before we jump right in um, to everything. Um, this podcast does have a bit of a trigger warning um, to those struggling with or have struggled with any types of eating disorders um, or food centric um psychological situations. So I just wanted to point that out there that if that is something that's a very touchy subject for you um, or that is triggering for you, um, listen to our old podcast before this one um, and maybe give this one a little skip. But um, otherwise, I just wanted to point that out before we got started. Yeah, and also uh, we'll probably yeah, we will be touching base a little bit, not only of our, our relationships with food and how it's affecting us now during quarantine and just in life. Uh, we're also going to touch a bit on alcohol culture yeah. and, and what that is like, uh, at least for our experience right now as millennials and uh, the current situation. So in addition to any food insecurities, um, if you, if it's triggering for you to hear about alcohol and alcohol culture in any form, then you, you know, maybe it's not the best idea to listen to it. It's it's up to you and do what is comfortable for you. Yeah, awesome. All right, so that that part is out of the way. We just thought it would be really great to talk about um, these topics during, especially during quarantine. Um, so let's dive right in. <laughs> oh man, so um, I guess I guess I'll just start with uh. I guess relationships, relationships with food. I guess how what was it like, maybe as a kid versus how I feel about it now, especially as a woman. Um, so I I just wanted to open up by saying that I I love food. I really don't discriminate. Like you know, you hear of some people that are picky eaters. That is not a problem with me. I yeah. will try. I will try anything twice. That's right, two times, just to make sure. Because <laughs> I'm weird like that. Um, and even though I love food and I, I love to cook and I, I love trying different things, um, 
and I use it as a way to to celebrate, you know, especially a lot of religious and and culture uh, with Judaism. Food is a big part of that in the holidays and celebration. And even though all of that is fine and dandy, uh, I know my relationships with food have gone a little bit up and down, starting at a, a very young age. Because as most uh, mental health things in life that pop up, a lot of it does stem back to our childhood. Woo! Yay! All the fun <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. So, so pretty much uh, my my story. I'll try to be brief about it because if I dive into every story, then uh, I'll have to give myself a trigger warning and be like, "All right, Sam, take a deep breath." Um, <laughs> but uh, it is all good. I feel comfortable talking about it. And like you said, Amy, I just want to be as transparent as possible. So. When I was really young, uh, pretty much ever since, I, I don't know, grade school, I, I was overweight as a kid. And for the majority of my um, childhood, I guess you can say, up until uh, eighth grade going into high school. And I didn't even really realize that my body was larger or it wasn't anything on my radar until I, I got bullied um, at the playground in kindergarten and it, you know it's a very young age to just have it all start right then and there and just um and not even that and besides the bullying that many of us have experienced for various things just the whole like how we view our body image it, it does go back to the bullying and even comments from from family i just remember you know it being overweight as a kid yeah. and my family would say certain things like, oh, uh, Sam, eat more fruit. If I would reach for another piece of Jewish apple cake or something chocolatey, which I would rather have over a strawberry sometimes. I'm sorry, because yeah. I'm a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some, sometimes family members would, you know, try to be firm, but, and be like, well, Sam, I don't think you really should be eating that. And just, um, think, just thinking about those comments from, from family and, and, and I have a great relationship with my family. I really do love them. Good relationship with my parents, extended family. But, you know, sometimes even though you can love your family, they can still say some comments that make you feel shame. And I think uh, when I was young, being overweight and hearing these comments, I would kind of associate like instead of food is just pleasure, I kind of felt ashamed for being in a larger body and, and eating it. Like if I'm at a birthday party, like I, I should be allowed to have a piece yeah. of birthday cake at the roller skating palace, just like everyone else. And I shouldn't have to like bring a separate snack bag of walnuts and craisins to the movie theater because I'm too afraid to eat the popcorn. Yeah. Um, and just being raised from a young age, a lot of us can attest to that with um, thin equals good, fat equals bad. There are good foods, your fruits, vegetables, I guess like, you know, the, the power foods that fuel you and are all whole foods. And then the evil bad foods that make you fat, like, oh, carbs, bread, chocolate, but the, the things that, that make you happy and feed your soul, but sometimes can cause a lot of guilt. And um, I remember... Oh, I remember when I was um, in elementary school, like I was on a weird, I was on a diet briefly, like very briefly, there was this moment where I just like, I guess, got a little bit chubby. And to make sure that didn't continue, I was put on this diet that I, looking back, wasn't a diet. It was like more of, Amy, every day after school, what do, what do you do? Uh, and I was like, well, I go to a daycare center because I'm waiting for my mom to pick me up and I buy two bags of chips and I eat them 
and then I bag M&Ms and I eat them. And so the, my, the idea of diet was just stop eating the chips and M&Ms and see what happens. And like, I think I lost a ton of weight that year just by, just by doing that. Um, but it was like, like you said, it, you don't realize it until you're bullied or until something happens, or if you see someone in, in like the media, because I remember, this is a totally gross story, but I, I don't know why I remember this. I remember being in second grade um, before I stopped eating M&Ms every single day, which by the way, I've been like eating Nutella every day of quarantine because who cares anymore? Um, and I would take like my belly fat rolls and you know how like in, in elementary school or even middle school, the desks, it was like a flat desk. And then it had this little cubby area underneath the desk where you put like your, your books and your pens in. Mm-hmm. I would like take, like roll up and like try and play this game with myself where I would like take my fat rolls and roll them into the desk. Like <laughs> I was just like counting my fat rolls and like I was having a grand old time till I realized that was weird. Um, <laughs> but At least you had fun. <laughs> yeah. I just like, and you don't realize those, those things. And then, you know, progressing into like today, like I think you had mentioned something um, once before about the, the pressure of parents and, and, and just family being like, oh, are you gonna, you gonna find a partner? Are you gonna, how are you gonna be happy if, if you're a certain weight? Like, I don't have those pressures from my family, but I feel them internally. Like, I, I feel, no one said it out loud to me, but I, I feel it in my head. It's really an ingrained, the fat phobia that is experienced, at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is in other countries, but it is ingrained. Uh, it's a tale as old as time, and ever since we're young, especially, I, I don't want to discredit men going through uh, body issues and, and eating habits, but I feel like the pressure is often on women, and, and it's the whole thing of you have to kind of be smaller to be socially acceptable uh in society and i think it's a it's a very white girl culture too it's not that's not every culture it's a very like white female you must be skinny thing like that's it's it varies really i think depending on who you are and where you're from it is very interesting that that you mention it culturally because in other cultures you know they 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 eat rice and beans or maybe something heartier and uh you know if you're raised in a different culture it's like oh you can't eat those things like that's bad so basically you're calling another culture's ethnic food evil like that's the yeah. reason for us just blowing up into obesity lands and it, there's a whole lot that we can say about that but um but yeah it's so i guess going back to being a kid and trying to figure out life and what's okay. And I, I remember doing Weight Watchers with my mom and my sister. Mm-hmm. And when you're in grade school, you just you just want to have fun and, and just be a kid. And here I am like learning about the point system and just becoming obsessed with tracking things. And I, I do believe now that a lot of these big name diet companies are really just businesses and they set you up to fail. Some people yeah. have had some success on it and good for them. Um, I don't want to discredit that. Also, you have to be um, informed. Like you were just saying, you have to be informed about what you're eating. It's not just points. It's like, you know, I had a friend who thought that couscous was a protein, like quinoa. And so she was like, well, it only has this many points on it, so I'll eat it. And it's like, 
no, just, you know, if you're informed about like, oh, I haven't had protein today. Let me have some mm. quinoa. Let me have some chicken versus like, oh, I need more points. Let me eat this cupcake. Like it's, it doesn't add up. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. I think they've altered their formula a bit to counter in dietary fiber and carbs and all that. But like, honestly, there came a point where I just want to live my life and not even think about it. Like, ain't nobody got time to like, there's a legit mathematical formula for figuring out how many points. So I, I don't even remember it yeah. now. I probably exited out of my, uh, out of my memory. But um, you know what, when I think about comments that my family might have said to me at a young age, I can't remember exactly how I felt about it because we all have revisionist history and I, I don't know, I, it was so long ago, I can't remember. All I remember is feeling ashamed. And I would always wonder like, oh, do, do my parents or the, do, does my family not love me anymore? Or are they only saying this to me because, because it's something that I did? But then I, I started to think about it now. And I think that in a way was, was their way of expressing concern and love, even though it didn't come across as that sometimes, and maybe it wasn't the most tactful uh, of like, oh, uh, you should really be eating more yogurts, you know, stick to those yogurts, Sam, and, you know, just be more active. All you do is sit and read and draw all day and go to, you know, drama club and you're not active enough. And I, yeah, I really do. There, yeah. There's better ways to say things, I think. Like, I remember not not my family related at all, but um, one time I went to an airport. I was on I was going on a, this school related trip um, in very early high school, and I was on boarding the plane. So I was at the the airport. It's been so long since I've traveled anywhere. I'm like, it's the plane place where they take off and they go into the air. But I wasn't there yet. So the airport. There we go. Um, and I was in line with this girl and her mom was a chaperone on the trip and I was in line with this girl and the two of us were like, let's get some Chinese food. That sounds amazing. Um, sounds great. So we go online, we're waiting, we're going to get Chinese food and um, I order one or I can't remember if I ordered one or she did. Let's just say I did. I ordered one and she's about to order one and her mom goes, stop, you guys can't eat that. I'm like, something wrong with the Chinese food from the airport? It's all cooked. It's all great. It's, you know, it's like mall food, mm -hmm. basically. It's not like real Chinese food. It's like mall Chinese food, basically at the airport. And um, we were like, why can't we eat it? And the girl's mom basically said, well, you guys will get fat give it to me, I'll eat it. And the girl's mom ate the Chinese food and the girl and I, we like, I don't remember what we did. I think we split a salad and the mom let us have like one or two pieces of her chicken. Um, and I was like, just let us get the damn Kung Pao chicken. Like it, it shouldn't matter. And it just put such a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, is she trying to, you know, make her daughter and her daughter's friend everything that she wasn't or isn't and like if that's true then why is she eating the Chinese food and you know it, it's not just that one example I've I've been in moments where I've seen other friends moms basically say the same thing like we were going to go to Wawa and the mom says why don't you guys, why don't you guys have a salad instead and you know I've never had that fortunately from my family but like I've been said these things to at other people's houses and it's like our pair are the parents trying to control the 
their, their children's, I almost said spawn. Um, <laughs> Valid. <laughs> we the spawns are uprising <laughs> with mac and cheese. Oh, um, man. And was told, you know, don't, don't get the food. And it's like, I want, I want the food. Um, and I think now I'm in a healthier place where I can, I can just eat what I want to, you know, and if I'm, if I'm feeling cautious about it, I'll have a day or so where I'm very cautious about what I'm eating. But then, you know, I'll always have another day where I'm like, cake, it's good. Amen to that. And that story you just told is so, it is very, it, it's, it's of course sad, but also very fascinating from like a psychology standpoint, because as I was mentioning about the comments I would receive from family, even though they could have been well-intentioned. And you, you think of the comments that someone that's not even like your guardian or your parent is kind of controlling what you eat and and telling you what's good what's evil what like you know you're not lovable in society you're not gonna find success if if god forbid you eat chinese food and and i start to think how did how did it get to that point are they trying to protect us for medical reasons or for our actual health or is it more of oh i just don't want you to get fat because it's going to be embarrassing for you and you're going to have to deal with a lot of bullying from society and i want to protect you like does if her daughter had a, a sodium issue for instance um and was like trying to protect her from an increased amount of sodium yeah probably don't eat the chinese food but like it was one time and unless there was something in it that she was allergic to which i do not believe there was because mm-hmm. um, she ate tasted the chinese food um then you know it, it, you should be in control of your own body like that's something i think is like you control it don't let anybody else control it and i think when our generation well our generation is starting to become uh parents and i think that's a great opportunity for people of our generation to have different ways of going about how to raise our kids yeah. around food because if you start the the good positive habits that are healthy but also like yeah take them to mcdonald's every now and then and don't deprive them i i think it, we kind of have a privilege of kind of, um, well, this is how I don't want to do it, uh, a la our friends, parents, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. um, I'm even thinking just like, if you think about a typical holiday and I'm thinking of, you know, bu- your bubby is cooking all this amazing food, all this traditional food that is so good. And, and, and she, you know, a, a typical grandma would be like, oh, well, why aren't you guys eating? Eat, eat, there's more leftover, eat, eat. But then on the other side, if you like eat too much, it's like, put down your fork. How are you going to find a husband? It's just like such a funny dichotomy of of all of that. I'm a a true believer of uh, feeding people. Like I I think I'm like the, I am the bubby of the, of all the friend groups. Um, Where like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, here's food. Eat some food I made for you. Like even in college, I would, if I didn't have food for people, I would either make them smoothies or I would have tea for them. Like someone would come over and I'd be like, tea. They're like, I didn't ask for tea. I'm like, don't care. Tea. There you go. <laughs> I would just feed people. And I think it's, it's such like a, a cultural thing where, and it's, it goes across, I think all cultures where it's like very food centric. And mm-hmm. when you have so many different types of people from all sorts of walks of life who are so food centric it's so easy to be hyper focused on on your food intake and um 
everything. Like I, I sound positive right now on this podcast, but I have to admit like there, I have some days where I am like, well, I'm fat now. And that brings up something else is like, I can't talk about that with everybody um, as a skinny person. And, you know, I believe that like no one, I can't even think of like anyone that I talk to that I would be like, oh, you're a fat person. Like, that's not how I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But I know like Sam, like you and I both know people um, across the board from all different ages of when we grew up and even now where it's hard to, you know, I can't say, oh, I feel fat today uh, because people are like, oh, don't say that because we're in, we're talking to you. And it's like, I never, I'm not bringing it up so that a bigger person can tell me that I'm stupid. I'm bringing it up because I have, con- I, it's, it's this, the way yeah. I look at myself is not always positive. Um, and I should be able to say that without being shamed for it. it it is a tough balance because i've been there and and when you just want to vent to your friends like oh i'm having a fat day or i feel bloated yeah. today and let's say your friend is someone who who is a little larger and maybe they have insecurities so i can understand why finding that balance between making sure that they're not offended but also you want to speak your truth and this is how i'm feeling i shouldn't have to hide it and alter it just to make you feel more comfortable and i think that's something that we're all going to have to keep working mm-hmm. on until the end of time because i think i agree i think it's like no matter what our size is we all are going to have body insecurities um mm-hmm. and just you know if someone if for instance if i have a body insecurity that doesn't that sh- I unfortunately that should not have to shame someone else. Um, and if they have a body insecurity, it's okay to bring it up to me because like, I'm not gonna, you know, I can't, I can't progress in my own body image unless we talk about it. That is, that is very, very true. And talking about weight and dieting and this dieting culture, I, I used to talk about it way more back in the day with, with my friend groups. I just feel like it's, it's a way that women bond and mm-hmm. it's a way like when I would diet with like my sister or my mom or maybe other friends, it, it would be the only thing we would talk about. It yeah. would become an obsession. Yeah. And, and you know, where's the fine line between like, oh, is like Sam, like this is all you're talking about and it's kind of annoying us. And it's like, wow, I need to, I need to check myself, I guess. Something you said the other day, um, which was like, you were mentioning, you know, it's really great because our friend group. So those of you listening to our podcast, we are in a a group chat with seven people. (laughs) It's been going on (laughs) since quarantine started. Um, And or maybe it's eight people, including ourselves. I don't know. It's a bunch of us. And the one really positive thing is that never, we never really seem to bring up weight and food and eating and alcohol. And um, in terms of like an obsession, which is a really refreshing thing to have a friend group who you don't have to worry about those things with. It is really true. And I I just think it's because we all like now that we're getting older and experiencing more things, we have other more productive things to talk about. Like some of our friends who are getting married, like now we're talking about that and like, hey, how's your wedding planning going? Or how is your boyfriend or how is your new job or this, that and the other thing? And it's it, we're turning our conversations into something that'll like kind of build you up instead of make you feel defeated. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, it's really beautiful and really positive. And also I think 
it also kind of stems from just if you're if you're having body insecurities or if you are unfortunately going through an eating disorder first of all help uh get help because it's it's it'll help you <laughs> it's you know it's not something to be ashamed of it's do it's, it'll be very beneficial for you in the long run but um I think just also having a really supportive network of friends is something that's really great. Like one time before quarantine happened, uh, so Sam and I, we went to a friend's house and we had this girls night and we got, all of us, I think we're equally pretty drunk or buzzed. And we just talked about everything. And there were so many moments where in the middle of the night we went, oh, you, you, you're like that too? Oh, you think yeah. those things too? Um, I'm not gonna say what they are on air cause they're private, but um, you know, it's it's amazing if you actually sit down with friends and discuss things. You're like, oh wow, like, yeah, my brain works that way too. That's okay. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing, and I I'm happy to say that all of it has progressed. As I feel like as we're getting older, I'm thinking back to when I was in high school and what a lot of our conversations were geared around, like yeah. boys boys and and body image, like because high school th those were the years I really. I, I went a little intense with the dieting. I did like no carb diets leading up into prom. I, um, and I lost a lot of weight. Um, maybe it wasn't always the healthiest of ways. I also, also when I get very anxious or depressed about something, I, I was, I wasn't a, not the best place in, in a relationship uh, one time in high school. And during that period of time, I didn't really have much of an appetite. Um, so I just wouldn't eat and people would be marveling oh wow sam like i can't believe how thin you are now like just thinking about like you know where you came from and you look so great and i and i think to myself like yeah i, I did look good and and those compliments are like a drug and you just see oh what more can i do how much more little can i eat to feed my ego even when you weren't really at a happy place but people associate you losing weight as a good thing like you look great comma did you lose weight it's another way of celebrating thin equals good and yeah. beautiful and anything other than that like if you gain weight no one's going to compliment you you lose weight it's like oh congratulations not even caring that you have like a medical issue or a, a mental issue so I absolutely relate because there was um so 2019 was a rough year for me for various lot of little things actually um just was a really rough year and like you i started to lose my appetite and then like you know i got some compliments of like oh you look really good or like oh you look skinny i don't know that's the thing i don't think anyone told me i looked good i think it was like oh you look skinny and i was like yes okay and i kept going and i was like you know i wasn't eating i was i was sad i was depressed i was not sleeping and when you don't sleep you're not as hungry and honestly it just felt like parts of me were shutting down um like emotionally and physically and i wasn't really exercising but that didn't really matter because i was skinny according to all these people mm -hmm. um and i just remember i was it got to a point where i was trying to be healthy again and i was in new york going to a uh, singing lesson and i had i had half a bagel left in my hand and my singing teacher looks at me and this is the first time I realized it because she didn't say, Amy, you look skinny. She didn't say, oh, Amy, it looks like you lost weight. She didn't say, oh, Amy, it looks like you're, you look good. She looked at me straight in the eye and she said, you're not eating. Why? And I was like, mm. of course I'm eating. I have this bagel in my hand. Can't you see I've been eating this whole time? She's like, no, you're not. Why aren't you eating? Um, and 
I was like, oh shit, she knows. Um, and I think from that point moving forward, I sort of decided, okay, you that, that's what it took um, to change, to turn my life around. I started eating again. I just remember the first time my pants like fit me uh, again was like a great feeling. And it's, it's crazy because now a year later, if my pants are too tight, I start freaking out and I'm like, oh God, I got to lose weight. But then there's like this little part in my head where it's like, but I don't want to be too skinny. Um, speaking of butts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to transition to this this whole time. I was like, how do I do it? Uh, speaking of the butt. Um, so when did having an ass become a good thing? Because I missed the memo. Like growing up, I, I'm a very flat butted. I have a new, new, new booty. No, no, there's nothing there. Um, and I still don't have much there, but I have to say during quarantine, I've been doing many, many squats and, um, I cannot fit into most of my, my shorts anymore, um, because they don't fit around my thighs. And I'm like, Oh, I have a butt now. No one can see it because we're quarantined, but like, well, no one can see it because this is a podcast, but like, I, (laughs) I guess I have a but now and I remember texting my friend and telling her um I was like I think I have an ass and her response I kid you not was how old are you again and I was like 28 and she goes yeah that's when I got mine too (laughs) so (laughs) I just and like it's it's a good thing I guess you know um and I, I think we had talked about this before Sam about like Kim Kardashian and that culture and the mm. Kirby culture and you know which is very you know I I I do not keep up with Kardashians I, all I know is the sum of their names I don't even know like who's who half the time but yeah, they all um, look the same <laughs> yeah they all they all got asses that's all I know um and some of them might be fake so yeah. they even earn it <laughs> yeah and but all I know is the one thing I can say is body positivity they definitely are like curvy bodied women. And that's a great thing. Um, in society, you know, like other things and, you know, not, not so hot, but, um, in terms of like, not so good. Um, but in terms of positivity for curvy people, it brought back the ass. So it's just bizarre. Cause I have these, these shorts that now, um, I want them to fit me because I'm like, Oh, I think I'm skinny now. And there we go again, back to that, like, skinny meaning good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't fit me, I get upset. And I'm like, should I, should I stop eating bread? So like, I'll stop eating bread for a week. And then I'll realize that it's just because I did these squats that these pants just don't fit around my thighs. Um, and then I'm like, is that, is that good? Is that bad? When did this become a thing? I know. And, and the thing is, it's not even just from an aesthetic perspective, but building muscle is just, just good for your body. It yeah. just, it helps you be more balanced and stable. And if you just keep up those squats, then like as we age, we'll age, I, I would assume more gracefully. And it's, it's just, it's, you know, just, just moving your body and resistance training. It's all stuff that's good for your health and not just to look like an Instagram influencer. Yeah. And yeah, uh, all, all that jazz. I, I even look back to like certain sitcoms from the nineties and what, what the actresses look like. If you watch friends, sex in the city, well, look at Jennifer Aniston and, and, and all of them and how, how rail thin they all were back then. And how now it's a bit more I think the nineties was when like the fat free craze really kicked in. And I think nowadays it's a bit, you know, you could be a little curvier, have a little bit more girth to you and still 
be considered like I can still be an actress or I can be anything I want. And it's seen as like, Oh, like you're, you're just, you're healthy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, I guess I just want to touch real quick on, I talked about my, what it was like growing up as a child, like being overweight and then high school with the crazy dieting that I did, I guess, uh, I'll just say how I'm feeling now with food as a 28 year old, uh, woman, um, with privilege, I would like to add, because I can access food and it really is a, it is a privilege to, to be able to nourish one's body. And I feel like right, right now I, I, I have a generally, I would say a positive relationship with food. I love to cook. I, I naturally cook whole foods, vegetables, and lean protein, not just because I'm on a diet, but just because I, I just love how salads taste. So those of you who are salad shamers, I'm like, oh, you're just eating a salad again? Like, girl, I make a bitchin' salad. Yeah, I don't just put in, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't just put in like tomato and cucumber. I make it fancy. I, I add some nuts and some cheese. Like it's a whole thing. So, you know, don't knock it before you try it. And um, even though I still have some anxieties around my body image. I'll still look in the mirror and be like, oh, my stomach isn't flat enough. And you know, how am I going to look in a, how am I going to look in a bikini as if anyone really cares? I, I think I generally feel more positive about my relationship with food. For instance, I ate pizza last night and I didn't hate myself. <laughs> yeah. I feel fine today. I, I, my life is going on. I don't, you know, back in high school, I'd hang out at the Cheesecake Factory with my friends. And I remember going on the website and looking up the nutrition facts and the calories before I would go to the restaurant and order. All the time. And yeah, it's obsessive. And I'm just glad to say that even if I do that out of curiosity now, it doesn't dictate my life and what I choose to order. I, I try to be more mindful and intuitive. Like, all right, what am I in the mood for? When I go out to eat, it truly is like a special occasion or a treat because I do cook a lot at home. So if it is a treat, a treat yourself kind of a day, then F it. I'm going to just get what I want. And if I want some bread, then I'm going to eat bread. Every day is a treat yourself kind of day. Hells yeah. Oh man. So I think I want to move on a little bit from food. Yes. I can always keep bringing it up if it comes up, but, um, maybe more onto even alcohol culture in yes. my 20s. Oh, yeah, where to begin with, with alcohol culture? Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, let's see. It's a lot. I'm a lightweight. We could start there. Uh, <laughs> and I am not a lightweight. <laughs> like, so, I, <laughs> I can't. So I, I remember it took me so long to get drunk because I couldn't, get drunk without being sick. So like I'd never got, I still haven't, you know, gotten so drunk that I've thrown up. That has never happened. Knock on wood. If you can hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I hopefully never will. Um, but I'll drink. So my max is like three drinks. And the reason my max is three drinks is I'll start to feel sick after having three drinks. Like my body's like, Nope, don't do it. And because it's only three drinks, I'm not drunk. I am only tipsy. <laughs> it's very hard for me to get drunk because I, in order to do that, I need some, I, maybe a different kind of alcohol, maybe like not a beer, maybe like 
more of a whiskey thing. I'll have like more than three and then, oh yes, whiskey works. I can have more than three and then I'll get drunk without being sick. Um, but like, it's sad that I know that and that like, that's something I need to know because that's how much our culture drinks. Yeah. And I think about, you know, some friends of ours that, that maybe don't drink and in a weird way, like if you're an alcoholic, you, you get judged for it. Uh, and also if you don't drink that, I, I, I do wonder, I, I'm not sober, so I, I don't know what that would be like, but I can imagine that they probably get, um, sober shamed because if you're in an environment where there are other people drinking and people are asking oh how come you're not drinking oh come on live a little unless you're an alcoholic if you're a recovering alcoholic and you're sober and not drinking it's like oh applause 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 good for you which is fantastic if you are sober if shout out to anyone who is uh sober right now like awesome but like at the same time there's this double standard of like if you're not not drinking for the sobriety reason. You get mm-hmm. shamed. Like, oh, you don't want to have fun? Like, you, you don't want to party? Like, why aren't you drinking? It's so, ah. And you know what? I, I was probably guilty of that. And not that I was, like, part of that crowd in high school that would try to, you know, steal drinks from their parents or their older siblings. I like, I didn't really... <laughs> Yeah, I just, I didn't even care back then. And now it's like, oh, I, I, I love my wine and my craft beer and everything under the sun. But, mm-hmm. um, and even I would be, sometimes I would even ask like, oh, I, I don't want to be the only one drinking. I would feel weird. Uh, it, it was really just my own insecurity of being the only one having a drink at dinner. Like, oh, if, if no one else is, if no one else is ordering a drink, then I won't get one because I guess I'm a follower when it comes to alcohol. And I'm like, I oh, I don't want to look like an alcoholic in front of everyone, even if none of them really cared, I just still feel weird. I will say, Sam, I don't know, I've I've never told, I don't think I've ever told anyone this because it's why would this come up other than now? Um, Whenever we're out, when the world was open and we would go out um, and there was alcohol, as long as you were there, I would order a drink. Oh God. Because I know (laughs) that you would order one too. And you know what? I'm glad that uh, I'm such a great influence, but it, you know what? It, it really is all about balance. Like stopping at one glass of wine. I mean, yeah. sometimes it, depending on the day it could be a challenge. It's like, I'll have a glass of wine while I'm cooking, have a glass of wine with my meal. Oh, I think I need a, a digestif. I need a little something, something, a little nightcap. And before you know it, it's like, okay, Sam, you, you need to, you need to take it down a few notches. And I love yeah, yeah. To me. yeah, it's like and, I love wine. I'm gonna, you know, I've, I've decided I'm buying myself a bottle of whiskey for being unemployed because when everyone leaves and gets a new job in my department, it was like this old tradition where you would buy that person a bottle of whiskey. So I'm not, there's hmm. no one to buy me one. So I'm buying myself a bottle of whiskey and it's like, you yeah, know, right. well, I guess I'll drink it. But yeah, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I think I'm finally at this point because there are times where without me realizing it, maybe I'll be like drinking beer and then mixing my alcohols, kind of like in our last um, podcast episode, how I said I was still slightly hungover because I thought having a frozen margarita and then a couple beers was a great idea. And I know that that doesn't do well for my body. So I, I, but despite that incident, we all, we all fall back a little bit, but I, I do think my relationship with alcohol is, is healthier. I, I have more days where I'm like, all right, I'm not drinking anything. I, 
also, after studying abroad in France and all that, I, I don't see any shame in having wine with dinner. Uh, I really don't, or having a beer, having a drink, but you have to know yourself and what your limit is because I can tell in me, once it starts affecting me, like emotionally or, you know, that stereotypical girl who's like drunk crying in like the bathroom or, you know, calling her ex or doing something stupid like that, you know, that that's when it's not even just a social joyful yeah. thing. Like this is gearing towards, okay, this is a, this is a problem. Yeah. And I think it's good to know. And like, especially if you are, if you are not that person, like if you are like me and you don't drink a ton um, and you see someone like that, just, you know, be there for them. Mm -hmm. um, make sure they're okay. Hold the hair back, whatever you got to do. Um, but I think, if you, um, like for instance, for me, for instance, I am the person who goes to the parties and drinks a lot for me, but it's not, it's like half the amount everybody else is drinking. <laughs> um, and so then like, we'll all stay over. And then the next day I'm super excited because everyone the night before was like, let's do brunch, mimosas, Bloody Marys. And I'm like, so excited. And the next day I'm fine to do those things. Um, because I'm not hungover or feeling sick from the night before. So I never get to have the mimosas um, at brunch because my friends are always still drunk from the night before. And it's like, yeah, I want to have fun, but also even now it's quarantine. Like, what are you going to, why? What's the point? <laughs> I know I... I hate when I uh, feel like crap the next day, even if you, you think you've learned your lesson. And then, you know, if you go to a wedding or you're celebrating something, or even if it's a holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, and if wine is, is like a, an important part of like how your family celebrates. I, I know for me now, like I can tell I'm really getting up there in age because if I have a glass of wine a little too late at night, I won't be able to wake up and feel refreshed the next day. Like I want to go on a walk, maybe feel productive, exercise. But I, I, if I feel sluggish, I can't, I, you know, get out of bed. Was all that worth it from the night before? And so I think I'm definitely, I, I, I think I'm a lot better at judging that now and knowing when, okay, I'm not in the mood to have another glass of wine. Is this other, is this additional beer going to make me feel any more tipsy, any better? Like, am I using this to, to like numb emotions or just drinking just to drink and get drunk? Or do I actually want to savor the taste of this craft beer, which I think yeah. now I'm at that happy medium. <laughs> That's good. I think I have too. Um, you mentioned briefly for religious reasons, like if it's like a family or a religious situation, I'm just curious um, what your experience is with this because Mine, I feel like is different from most people and I didn't know this. So I didn't realize until college that people actually drank all four cups of wine at Passover. For those of you that don't know, uh, Passover, everything has a symbol, hello Judaism, mm -hmm. um, and there are four cups of wine. And a lot of people drink four cups of wine. So I got to college and all these people were like, yeah, Passover, get drunk because you drink four cups of wine. And I'm like, what are you all talking about? Because where I had it, you took a fork I kid you not, your fork, and you dip the fork into the cup of wine, and then you dab it onto a plate, and that's the cup, or you, you sip it, or you smell it, like you, you don't actually drink four cups of wine, maybe you'll drink half a cup of wine, 
um, but you'll interact with this cup four times. And it's like, I'm just curious of what your experience is with that, especially because you had mentioned, you know, if you drink for religious purposes. Yeah, so when it was when it was Passover, I actually did a little bit of research on it. And I think one video that I read, video that I read, video that I viewed, and this um Hasidic rabbi was talking about like what what actually constitutes a cup of wine. And it, it's a lot less than you think. If I don't if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was like maybe like three ounces or so. You think of the average glass of wine, it's five ounces. Most of us do a little bit of a heavier pour. So if you think back to what the actual law might be or like what actually constitutes like a volume of wine, a couple of ounces per cup, it probably equals to one normal size cup of wine. But of course, <laughs> some of us like to go a little to the next level. I don't even know if I drank the full four cups of wine because uh, four full cups of wine equals a bottle. That's a whole bottle, folks. Yeah, so you're going to feel it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, um, I think my family, like we would just kind of drink throughout the Seder per usual, just casually. And um, if it, yeah, we, we would just take sips. We would just kind of drink yeah. for normal. Like we wouldn't just chug a glass, like just because, yeah. and, you know, when we got to the 10 plagues, you would dip your pinky finger in the wine and then dip it on the plate to symbolize yeah, like, like, the, like the 10 plague. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I did. I, I don't think we ever... <laughs> No, that's a valid question, especially for those that aren't familiar with our customs and every family has a different custom. Yeah. Speaking of which, I also think especially for not even necessarily like religious maybe maybe it is for religious reasons i don't know my family isn't a drinking family mm -hmm. um and it was so interesting to me as a kid to like go over other friends families houses and like the parents would be drinking beer and like kids would be in the room and i remember being a kid and being like beer why is there beer that's <laughs> danger danger like <laughs> i was like that child because like it just wasn't something i grew up with um i don't remember if i talked about this in the podcast previously or not but if i didn't um oh i think i did when i was trying to watch rugrats um passover in preschool and i like hid shielded my eyes because I thought I wasn't allowed to watch it and just because I didn't experience it at home. So like whenever I would go to like family or friends parties or reunions or something as a kid and there would be alcohol there, I'd be like, oh, danger, like, because it's not something I'm used to. Um, and just, you know, hearing stories of friends who grew up, you know, drinking beer with their dads. And like, that's, mm -hmm. that's not a thing that I'm used to. Like, I remember telling someone um, when quarantine ends, this is very not me, but I, it's what I want to do. I want to go to a bar, have a greasy burger with fries and a fancy expensive craft beer um, and just savor it. And everyone's like, Amy, that's so unlike you. And I'm like, yes, but like, can you imagine what it'll be like and how like fulfilling and wholesome that'll feel to like have a nice cold drink in your hand as you're eating a burger with other people? <laughs> Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, since you mentioned burgers and beer, there is a place in South Philly called Fountain Porter, and they are known for, I think their burgers are really good, and they're only five bucks, and um, they also have a lovely craft beer list. So, Amy, once we are allowed to uh, dine inside a, a cool dive bar with a good beer and, and burger situation, we shall... We shall go there and fulfill this dream of yours yeah. because it's also a dream of mine. Speaking of treating yourself, that'll be my 
Yeah. I'll probably like wake up, have like a smoothie and a salad earlier in the day, and then we'll go out. And then I'll be like, don't care. No calories. They don't matter. Just eat, drink up. It'll be fine. Like, exactly. And, um, yeah, so I guess like my family, like, we, you know, we're pretty casual and open about drinking, but you know, if I hang out with other friends, parents or, or, you know, Lonnie's parents who aren't as big of drinkers, it, it's, you know, no, one isn't better than the other and there's no shaming one or not shaming the other. It's just a different way of, of what people do. And it's just, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it's just how some people are just raised and yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though that you say it's how people are raised because I feel like we had wanted to touch on reverting back to old habits. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way you were raised is sort of reverting back to those, those old habits. And, and even if it's not how you grew up, it could also be like how you were in college, how you were in high school with your relationship Mm -hmm. to food and alcohol Um, and sort of where we are at that point. Exactly. And, and that this extra layer of being in quarantine for the past four ish months, and we are in a pandemic and a lot is happening just besides coronavirus, just well, social justice wise, and just so many things are going on. And, but, but mainly the fact that, um, we are quarantined and I think it, I don't know the statistics, but I can imagine that due to us being trapped and a lot of us being unemployed and maybe feelings of hopelessness and feelings of being trapped and, you know, gyms aren't open and all the activities that we used to do to, to fill our cup, so to say, our spiritual cup has now been taken away uh, for the most part. And so, touching back to what you're saying of reverting back to old habits, I imagine that it could be a potentially dangerous dip into either overeating or trying to find ways to control your life and your situation. And as you might hear, a lot of eating disorders are based in like just wanting to control a a point of your life. And And so, yeah. too, like not Mm -hmm. having that like that's something even I, regardless of my relationship to food or alcohol, something I had said the other day um, with just personally and just my life and jobs and everything was I was like, I lost control. Like I don't have control. So, you know, that's part of the reason I woke up today and made sure to walk four miles. And, you know, but there was a point where I was tired after three miles, but in my mind, I was like, to stay healthy, I want to walk four. And, you know, just to have that obsessive control. um, Yes, walking four miles instead of three miles is a much healthier type of control than controlling your food intake. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, it's still like, because I'm isolated and because of this, it's a control. So I can only imagine those people um, struggling a little bit more with eating disorders or even alcoholism are struggling more because they they don't have the control. That's something that they can control. Yeah. And and if you're working from home, everything is at home and it's so easy to just say the old, the old adage of it's five o'clock somewhere. Like it starts to become like a a true mantra. So Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's my lunch break in air quotes, you know, working from home, you kind of have to really uh, keep it, you know, yourself accountable. And it's probably, be tempting for some people to just be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, crack open a beer for lunch. Yeah. And then some people might 
you know, to take it a little step further and be like, oh, well, I'll, ha- I'll make it a citywide. I'll have a shot of whiskey. <laughs> and for people that have addictive personalities that have a hard time knowing when to stop or doing things in autopilot, be it food, exercise is also an addiction if, yeah. you know, you go beyond that, you know, a certain point. Um, but yeah, it, it's, this is a hard time for feeling out of control and, oh, one way to control my life is to over-exercise or overeat. And I, you know, just trying to stress that, that balance, but also to not be mad at yourself for gaining the COVID-15 or, or whatever it's called. Like I, I had to tell myself that a million times yesterday where I, so yesterday I did nothing. I went downstairs for breakfast. I went downstairs for lunch. I went downstairs for dinner. I stayed in my bed the entire day. Um, and I, that's hard for me because I'm so used to being on the go. I have like a million and one things I've, I do before quarantine. I did before quarantine. Um, and just the act of not doing anything. And I kept sitting there being like, oh God, I hope I don't get fat by just sitting here. And it's like, no, you're not going to get fat by having one day where you just chill. Even if you have one week where you just chill. Like I, I took it super easy on the exercise this past week and barely, barely worked out. Um, and I'm pretty sure I still look the same. Like I'm pretty sure I, if I gained weight, it's probably from drinking a lot of water. Like it's, you just have to keep reminding yourself um, that like, it's okay not to, to do anything. And that if you gain 15 pounds, like it's okay. You can always lose 15 pounds. Yeah. Just gain 15 pounds and be happy. There you go. And and it it just, yeah, it it is a very hard thing because we want to practice what we preach. Like, oh, it's so, it's okay if I gain like a little COVID weight because, you know, our mental health and keeping that strong is more important. But then when you do gain the weight, you like hate yourself. And it's just, I fear Wally. I fear Wally. I don't know if you've seen Wally, the movie. You know what? I've only seen like a little bit of it, like a long, long time ago. And I honestly don't think I, I saw the whole thing. There's a part, I haven't seen it since high school. Um, there's a part of Wally, and it's like everyone is, is in the future and they're all attached to their screen. So they have a big screen that's attached to their wall, which is like their TV. And then they have another screen, like a monitor. And then they have another screen, like in their hands. And the other day when I was doing nothing, I had you know, this big smart TV in my parents' bedroom. And then I had my laptop on my lap and then I had my phone in my hand and I was looking at all three and just eating food. And in this part of Wally, they're all very chubby. Oh my God. And it's like, eventually, you know, I don't want to like spoiler alert with Wally and how it ends, <laughs> but um, this is Wally, right? Like I'm trying to remember if that was Wally. Anyways, I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I think Wally is the what movie that was. Yeah, with Evie. Okay, we're good. Um, Wally and Evie, <laughs> we're we're fantastic. Um, yeah, but like the I have that fear where it's like if I sit still, I'm going to instantly poof up like a balloon. But like also knowing that poofing up like a balloon is not a bad thing. It's just what you how you think of it and how you perceive it. And we think in, in extremes. And also, I feel like in, a, in at least 
the United States culture, we, we pride always being busy and, and having so much productivity and we work, 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 and then we go to the gym and then we don't really, we, we brag about how little vacation day we take. And now here we are in quarantine where it's a complete complete shock to the system for people that are used to yeah. being on the go and now we are we have to be a bit more we have to stay home and we have to not be on the go because there isn't always there isn't really a lot of places to go right now and thinking back to like a european culture where they don't live at the gym they just walk everywhere they they walk to the grocery store they walk to work and that's their exercise because it's a way of their life and it's not an obsession with them and that's why they're like eff it say la vie i'm gonna have a glass of wine and have a baguette our brains are so weird like i can you know i i think about sitting still for an entire day as like a way that my body is going to explode and suddenly become this like morphed ugly thing. And yet I, 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 that same brain can rationalize that croissants have zero calories. And there you go. Like my, I love croissants. And every time oh, I eat yeah. one, I'm like, there's, there's no calories in this. And so I eat more croissants and like the same brain that can do that also is the same brain. That's like, you must move to burn calories. Even if it's like, just moving your legs in a bed. Just flailing about somewhere <laughs> or having a dance party. Yeah. That being said, exercise is healthy. You should do it anyways, but don't obsess over it. There you go. That is a good a good way to to send this off. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I did want to say one thing. Um, we usually have a, a Yiddish word of the day um, mm, for each of these. And I Googled a, a Yiddish word. I wanted to Google Yiddish word for, for a lot of things, but I found one. Um, and it's, I have no idea if this is being pronounced right, but it's Essenvarg. Essenvarg. Well, Essen, Essen I know means to eat, right? Or something with food, at least the, the oh. German, the Germanic. Well. But what does it mean? It says that it's been community verified. So this better be right. Essenvarg uh, means food. Interesting. So there's also other variations. There's another word that means treat. Um, but Essenvarg is one that I could translate easily. So Essenvarg is your Yiddish word of the day. Yay! We all learned something new. Huzzah! Um, so before we send everybody off, is there any final notes that you wanted to add? That's pretty um, much it. If anyone has any questions or any stories, uh, we're still also collecting random funky dating stories as always. We'll continue that if you want to give us some input toward how this podcast um, was either relatable or not relatable for you, or you want to say hello from Germany or Ireland, whoever you are, um, please do so. Find us on Instagram at two years till 30. Find us on Facebook, two years till 30. Email us two years till 30 at gmail.com. Um, and just enjoy life. And um, watch Hamilton, because you can. Oh, that was the best thing to happen all quarantine, let me tell you. Watch, watch Hamilton. Watch Hamilton, guys. Educational, Hamilton. Uh, talented beyond belief. If you take away anything from this podcast today, watch Hamilton. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs>